Yeah, it's really, I don't know. It's just uh, nice to hear about the journey. And, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, and it's just such a, to me, uh, what I'll be speaking about a bit is is framing this work in terms of the Dharma. Um, yeah, and just to, to not assume that we're all even on the same page about that. And I think that's where some of the tension has come up at times in our community and in the wider insight community is... Uh, yeah, what, you know, what is, what is this work on a really deep level? I mean, and, you know, in terms of the Dharma, in terms of this practice of waking up, becoming more free. Yeah, and uh, I think there's many ways, of course, that we can talk about that or understand that um, but the kind of the frame that I'll use in my comments is basically that you know the main thrust of the Buddhist teachings is about suffering and the end of suffering about uh, how the mind clings to notions of self and creates suffering and so just one question that you know came up as I was thinking about my comments was just to see, you know, as we talk about difference, uh, power, oppression, privilege, just to practice mindfulness and notice, is there any tension? Is there any fear? Is there any discomfort? And if so then this is a relevant Dharma issue. <laughs> so that's a very easy, practical way. You know, If you're not convinced that this is a relevant Dharma issue for you in your practice, then just notice, you know, am I, do I not experience um, any tension? And it can be, uh, you know, it could be different depending on who we are and in our background, you know, the kind of the definition of having privilege in, in any area is the choice or the opportunity to somewhat um, not be um, impacted as much. But then in a context like this where we're really inviting everyone to have a conversation then you can see, you know, so you might feel like, and again, I, I know a lot of you have done a lot of work, so, uh, but I think it's not uncommon for those of us, and I, you know, I'm biracial, so I kind of, I, I identify as a person of color, but also as someone with a lot of racial privilege. Um, and so I, I, I understand that, in seeing in my own mind, that it wasn't, it's been a process for me to see where am I situated and and the basically 
having the privilege for most of my life to not have to really um, think a lot about about my race. But, so the question isn't, you know, because, you know, suffering, just because we're not aware we're suffering doesn't mean we're not suffering. And, uh, and the whole point of liberation and waking up is to illuminate the mind. I mean, anyone who sits for any amount of time, that's what we're doing. We're learning about our minds. Uh, and it's not all, self-knowledge is not all good news, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that, that, I think, is one way to just really practically frame this, you know, even before getting to why is this important to me and my community and my organization, but just why is this important to me personally is just to, to look and to look at your own experience and to see you know, you read in the news about the recent police shooting or, you know, we're in a, a group like this where we're inviting some self-reflection on our own personal experience of privilege and oppression. How does that? I know, I mean, I can speak for myself. It's not comfortable <laughs> for the most part. So that's our Dharma issue. I mean, that's our, this, you know, and it's such a, it's such a test in some ways of our practice, I feel, and kind of what Stacy was saying. Are we taking refuge in comfort? Are we taking refuge in seeing, waking up to whatever comes up and, uh, and understanding cause and conditions, how things come to be? And I think this is important because Because otherwise, people aren't, we aren't, won't be motivated to do this work. If it's coming from the outside, you should, you're bad, you know? So that's been really important for me and I think for, for our organization to, we talk about it, framing this issue, framing this work in terms of the Dharma. This is what, we're here together, we're part of these organizations because we have a deep interest in freedom and waking up in connection. Uh, I was on a recent retreat with Rebecca Bradshaw, and I really liked, she just kind of, kind of offhandedly summarized, like, what, are we, what do we most yearn for? Peace. And then she said, and connection. And, uh, and isn't that true? And so this is just one way, and... Um, we're just looking at our minds and how they've been conditioned all the ways, personality, culturally, to create suffering, to create agitation, to create disconnection. So, yeah, I mean, Stacy was talking a lot about just how there isn't a map and I really, more and more, I'm sort of leaning into that in terms of this work and just in terms of waking up in my own practice. And But I have some intuition that the places that scare me, 
you know, like that book by Pema Chodron, there's real, that's where there's suffering and that's where there's potential for freedom. But, but that they're really, I mean, as far as I can tell, there's, there's, that's really our practice, to me, my practice and our collective practice, our collective wisdom and compassion is the best chance we have for unraveling these deep patterns of suffering. Nothing else seems to have worked. Laws have been changed, but suffering persists. So it's a spiritual transformation that's required. And grounding it in terms of our practice really helps, yeah, you know, just to to be honest and and real and um, protects us from getting attached to views, thinking we know. I feel like not knowing is the most valuable uh, uh, teaching, one of the most valuable teachings. Because that's really the one of the hearts of of this is admitting our ignorance that we don't know. If we knew, then there wouldn't be these issues. So, what does that feel like? And how comfortable are we with not knowing? And the mind—that's its job—is it fills in when we don't know. And what does it fill in with? Our conditioning. And where is our conditioning from? everything that's come before. And what's that based on? A lot of greed, aversion, and delusion, a lot of suffering, and a lot of perpetuating ignorance to avoid feeling that suffering. But this gives me confidence, too, in in my own practice and, and just in exploring this with others, is that, you know, the Buddha's teachings on causality and conditionality, nature... If something can be wound up, these tight knots in ourselves, in our society, they can be unwound. But they, but, uh, but it's kind of like you have to go through everything it took to wind it. You have to see that all, hold that all. So it's really calling for. I feel like it's calling for the fullness of our practice. So. You know, some people are talking about being in your communities complacent or things are humming along, not too exciting. We're looking for, look for the edges, you know, what's, what's not comfortable. Not because, you know, but not, you know, not for any external reason, but because we want to wake up, we want to be free, we want to be connected. This is really a way of talking about the first noble truth. Suffering should be understood. That's the uh, invitation with the first noble truth. Or suffering should be acknowledged. Ajahn Sumedha says suffering should be welcomed. 
Yeah, that for me has been, from the beginning of my practice till now, one of the most powerful and healing parts of the practice is that acknowledgement, that coming face-to-face. Because without that, there's no possibility of freedom. So just to, to name, just to bear witness... And it's interesting with, with cultural conditioning and privilege and oppression, like I mentioned earlier, part of having privilege is the privilege to, to even have that option of sort of distancing oneself or not you know, being as impacted, ignoring. And not that, you know, and I think in, there's a story um, from a video called Traces of the Trade. Oops. Um, where there's uh, family members from a wealthy, forget what the what the family name is, but I think they were in New Hampshire. But their family was one of the biggest slave trading families, and that's where all their wealth came from. And so they kind of come together, these distant cousins and everything, and they kind of look into their family history and. Um, and there was just one moment that stuck with me where one of the people, one of the family members, heard this story from the town. I don't know if they read it. Uh, you know, and there were slaves in the north, um, not as many, obviously, but, but someone saying in this town, writing a letter to the city council or something like, could you please move the whipping post because there's blood on my windows? And this, but this, the 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 person now um, was just sort of reckoning with the amount of psychic energy and denial it takes to sort of that amount of ignorance of like that amount of disconnection from from another human being suffering to sort of so so it's not so my point there was that. You know, we can be suffering, but but not aware that we're suffering, and that's part of this whole package. A story, relatedly, somewhat relatedly, from the from the Pali Canon is of Bahia in Bahia's story or his the teaching for, you know, in the scene. There's only the scene, and the herd. There's only the herd. That's famous, but I believe the precursor to that story is Bahia thought he was enlightened until a, a deva came and said, "Actually, you're not." And then he was had the humility to go and find the Buddha. So this is all just, you know, are we willing to see the suffering that we might not be aware of or that might be so just part of the water we swim in? Are we willing to admit that we don't know what we don't know and to have that humility and openness? And like, you know to just do something like the implicit bias test. Harvard has one. If you haven't done it before, I highly recommend it because it just shows the conditioning of this mind in terms of there's many different ones. You can do different sort of faces, racial, gender, other ones, and you have to sort of pair them with different words that are positive or negative, and it will measure how quickly the mind associates positive with with certain physical characteristics. And it's just a very objective way 
So, and how does that land? You know, how do, what do, what do we do with that? Because then it becomes, oh, one way that's come to mind for me of how, how I think about this or language it is like, it's not out there. And Stacy was kind of talking about that, like the battleground, if you wish, or maybe there's a better metaphor, but like the arena for this transformation is right here. Like all the forces are right here. And where this is playing out, another way I like to think about this is there's no one more responsible, no one more with more power, with more responsibility to wake up and to have an impact on these ancient this ancient suffering than me. Not because of who I am in particular, but just because this is my country, this is my conditioning. So I really find that the intersection of Dharma and difference here, yeah, it's just, I, I actually don't know how people without a practice that can really ground them can really do some of this work. But, it, but again, like, so that we're motivated, there should be a sense of freedom because there's no freedom without acknowledging like this first noble truth. All the exact places we don't want to look in our practice. How's that? You know, is that what we're signing up for? That's why this practice is always like, oh, I thought I was just looking for comfort, but it's but it's there's because we want freedom and connection and healing. The Buddha was radical. He didn't hold back in any area. It's like, everything whatsoever, nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I, me, or mine. All fixed views, having this don't know mind, feeling what we feel. And we can't imagine the freedom from a constricted point of view. So that's all, you know, who knows? Who knows what kind of possibilities could open up when we're willing to face. We don't know what we don't know. And there's no freedom without acknowledging what we don't know. So somehow we have to wake up to what we don't know. So like Stacy was saying, just start with some anything. Yeah, so I'll leave my comments there. Thanks for your attention.